Well, good morning. If I was to say the phrase, patience is a... Cool, we're done. All right, peace out. No, seriously, we are going to talk about patience this morning. And I would love to explore this. And is it something more than just what we tell our kids when they say that they're bored? We, we tell them this phrase, patience is a virtue. But what does that really mean? What, what do we do with that? The, the deal with a virtue is that it's hard to attain. There's not really a level in which you know that you have done that or not. Is it a sliding scale or do I just need to be more patient than not? Like if I am calm in how I ask my kids to do their chores three times in a row and then I snap at them on the fourth, do I get to say, well, I mean, I was three out of four, so that's pretty good, right? I think I'm okay. Is it something that I can store up in my patience bank? Do I get a freebie because I did a good job earlier? Or, or maybe you're driving and you're commuting to work and you are so patient with the first four people that cut you off. <laughs> and then on the last one, you, you wave at them, but you wave with one finger. <laughs> but like that person doesn't know how patient you've been all the other times. And like, really, you're doing a great job. They should thank you for your patience right? Maybe we flip it around the other way. Do we, can we look at the moments where we are impatient, and would that maybe help us understand if we are patient or not? You're in line at Starbucks, and the person in front of you is ordering coffee for the entire office. And so, yeah, I didn't say anything. I wasn't rude, but I tapped my foot a fair amount, and I give some gentle Size, you know, some audible noises to let them know, to remind them of everyone else in line behind them that is, you know, I'm, I'm helping them out. And I, I, I think, I think, to tell myself that. Or maybe it is you scheduled the doctor's appointment for two o'clock and you did that for a reason and you showed up on time, Right? You know that that person just walked in. They haven't waited like you have. They haven't been as patient as, as you have, and they just got called back. And so when you're asking the receptionist over and over again, when's it your turn and what's going on and what's taking so long, it's not really impatience that you're being. You're, you're just so clearly trying to help solve the scheduling problems that they have at the office, right? I don't know. Patience is a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing. Uh, I found out that I was going to be teaching this, this message. We changed our, our sermon series around a little bit. And it's about three weeks ago that I found out this was going to be my week. And so in staff meeting, I go, oh, cool. So that means I have three weeks to learn how to be patient, right? <laughs> Great. Some of you know I was gone last week, went on vacation with my family, and uh, our two favorite college baseball teams were playing in Nashville, Oklahoma State and Vanderbilt, top 10 matchup. And so in preparation for this message, I threw a family of five in a minivan, and we drove for 10 hours. So <laughs> all together, I have 20 hours of sermon illustrations for you. So it's going to be a long message. Um, no, honestly, kids, kids were okay. 
We, we do like to road trip. This is kind of, it, it works for our family. It's a little hard to fly a family of five places, so we end up driving. So after Christmas, we drove all the way to Oklahoma to see family and did a 20-hour road trip all in one, one straight shot. Um, that was hard, okay? That, that's, I don't recommend that, but we did it. We made it through. But what, we, what we'd like to do, what's kind of easier, is we can put kids in the car in the evening, and we can leave here about 7 or 8 o'clock. And when kids wake up, we can be in St. Augustine, Florida at my father-in-law's house. It's, it's fantastic. As long as I have sunflower seeds, I'm good. And I can drive for a really long time. And then when I get tired, pull over. My wife jumps in the, in the driver's seat. She's a great driver. And I get my pillow and I got it all just right and put my sleeping mask on and I can fall asleep and I can get some rest. And about that moment where your brain's starting doing some crazy things and putting together stories, you're like, what in the world is happening? About that moment, that's when you hear that rumble strip, right? Oh, pull off the sleeping mask. What's going on? Check on her. Okay, everything's good. And then try to go back to sleep. Now, in that moment, am I upset about that rumble strip? A little history lesson. These, these things have been around since 1952. Uh, they were first implemented at the Garden State Parkway in New Jersey. They were called Singing Lanes, Singing Lanes by a popular mechanics magazine. Now, am I upset that that rumble strip woke me up? Not, not really, right? It, it's actually a, a good thing. It's helpful and it helps us recognize, hey, maybe we're getting off track somewhere. Hey, maybe, maybe we need to readjust and we need to, to see where we are headed. And it's the same in our relationships. And I think patience can be that rumble strip for us to go, ooh, hey, there's some cracks in the surface here. Maybe we need to readjust. We need to realign. We need to see where we are on our relationship. Before we get in, uh, let's, let's talk definitions, because I think sometimes we think of patience as waiting, it, but it's more than that. It's not just waiting. I can wait and be miserable while I'm waiting, right? I can wait and I can make you miserable <laughs> while I'm waiting. So it's got to be more than that. So let's look at some definitions here. The first, uh, the capacity to accept or tolerate Delay trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. Without getting angry or upset. So there's, there's a change in me and how I am responding to the situation. Let's simplify it a little bit. The ability to be calm in the face of frustrations, obstacles, or sufferings. So there's something that's not good happening, but can my response be calm does our society seem calm right now? H have you seen any footage from school board meetings? <laughs> have you seen how people behave on airplanes? How people behave in the checkout line? Uh, calm is not what I would use to describe our society right now. Can we be better human beings? Can these moments of frustrations and obstacles and, and suffering, could they be a moment for us to be able to put Jesus on display? Where are the people that love Jesus that could take a bad situation and help point people 
to Jesus. It helps show people that there's something different about us than how we live. Could we do that? Could we be that as a people? What are the opportunities that we have to put that supernatural patience on display? I think there's kind of three levels of things that require us to be patient. The first is kind of the the entry level basic stuff. It's the daily hassles. These are the things that uh, they, they pop in. It's, it's the very common scenarios where all of a sudden you're reminded that you're not in control. It happens on your commute. It happens with your kids. It happens at the grocery store. Um, you, are, you have to deal with this little obstacle. You had something in your mind of how this was going to play out and things change and now you have to learn how to respond and be calm in the, in the midst of that frustration or struggle. This is where we put in the reps. Honestly, this is where we practice. It's the, the little basic things in our life. Can we start to get those right? But if we don't, and if we start recognizing that we're, we're kind of snapping, we're a little short, we're, we're not doing well in those, that's where it's going to bleed over into our interpersonal patience. Relationships are hard, right? Relationships can be tough. And this is where tone comes in. This is where you can be sharp with your words. This is where you can be unkind in your frustration, maybe you notice it when people treat you like that. Like, whoa, why, why did they just snap at me like that? That was not a measured response for the situation. How do you treat the people that you are around? Can we show patience in those moments, in those relationships? Because there are really hard things that happen in life. There are the major life hardship moments And so how can we show patience in these moments when you are put to the the test? Maybe it's a chronic illness. Maybe it's a divorce that you're struggling with. Maybe it's a layoff. It's a death in the family. Maybe you have an upcoming move. And when all of that is going on, how can you respond in patience? How can you show people that there's something different about you and how you are going to be calm in the midst of struggle? Why is it so hard to show patience? It requires cultivation. This is the first thing I want to say. Patience does require us to work at this. It is hard. It will take effort. The Bible tells us to ask for wisdom, right? Just ask for wisdom. But what do people say about patience? Don't ask for patience because what's God going to do? He's going to give you a situation that will require you to be patient. And I don't necessarily want that. I just want to have the patience. But patience has to be worked on. Maybe you're like, I want muscles like the rock at the Super Bowl, right? But I don't ever want to be sore. I don't want to put in that kind of work to to do that. It's not going to happen. That's not the way life works. We have to cultivate and we have to put in this effort. There's a slew of great baseline things that you can do. And and they're all the the things that deep down inside we know. Uh, Getting a good night's rest and eating healthy and your, your exercise, being in nature, being in, in touch with nature can, can help center us. Scripture, prayer, meditation, mindfulness activities. These things are small little things that we can do to cultivate 
a posture of patience. It's not easy in our culture. We don't live in a patient culture. We live in an on-demand culture. Everything is at our fingertips. Everything is a click away. We have so much media that is, we are bombarded with shows, news articles, podcasts, pictures, images, ads that all are thrown at us. Every single one of those is a chance to distract us and a chance to pull us away from something. And when our whole life is built and we're just bouncing around, it's so hard to be centered and to respond in patience. All of those distractions can hijack patience in our life. Now, this phone, as we talk about marriage and we talk about relationships, this is a magical device. This can be amazing for relationships. I can send an email to someone. I can text someone. I can FaceTime people halfway around the world. And this can allow me to have good, solid relationships. But you know what else? This can be a disaster for relationships. This can be the greatest threat to the person you're sitting next to. There's a photographer, Eric Pickersgill. He uh, went viral a number of years ago with a photography series titled Removed. What he did is he took pictures of his family and friends, but right before he took the picture, he had them take out the device from their hands. And we get to see what we look like all the time. I don't want to look like that. I don't want to be glued to this device. I want to see the people around me. As we talk about a marriage series, if this is what our marriage is like, it's going to be lacking. Eric gave a TED Talk, and he gave some ideas on, on what, what we could do to eliminate this type of distraction, media distraction. And he talked about being so radical as even not charging your phone next to your bed. Maybe you charge your phone somewhere else and that your phone is not the first thing you pick up in the morning and the last thing that you touch before you go to sleep. Maybe we have no phone zones to where if you're going to watch a movie with your spouse, you put your phone in the kitchen or something. So that way we're not watching a show and consuming content and being distracted at the same time. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Someone's ribs are hurting right now because they're getting some of that. Uh, me with my kids' devices, I turn off all notifications on their devices. I don't, I don't need them being distracted by more apps that want them to spend more time and, and, and to get lost and sidetracked in that. Now, here's the thing. I don't do that with my own device. So I'm admitting that this is really hard and these are really radical steps, but it's going to take some type of cultivation. It's going to take some type of work for us to make this happen. I want to be different. I want to pursue a life of patience. I want to be centered. I want to be able to respond in calm whenever things happen. I'm going to have to do something different. Patience requires cultivation. Patience also requires different values. Um, it, it requires you to care about different things or to have a different value system. The Bible talks about this a lot in terms of the kingdom of heaven or sometimes the kingdom of God. 
And in God's world, in God's economy, things are often upside down or they're backwards. The, the people God says, I care about these people are not the people that we care about. The things he says to do are not the things that we always think we want to do. It's different, the things that are important, the things that we celebrate in God's world. We're going to look at a proverb, uh, Proverbs 16, 32, and it's short, and it'd be really easy to just gloss over it, but I do want to spend some time here, and I want us to think about how radical this proverb actually is. Here's what it says. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. This verse says to value patience over the wrong kind of action. To value self-control rather than the control of others. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, when this was written, kings would, would go through some elaborate measures to be able to tout their accomplishments. And it was a big deal. You take, you take a city, you take over, you want to let people know about that. You want to um, brag about this. And so what they would do is they would take their accomplishments and they would etch them into stone. And we see this throughout history. This is one example. This is uh, the, the Moabite stone from 900 BC. It, the cool thing about this one is it actually uh, um, corroborates some of the Old Testament scripture. What we see here that this king wrote um, really fits with what we, what we find in scripture. And so some cool stuff like that. But this is like the ultimate brag piece for a king. You take over a city, you write about it. You want your legacy to be known by how you took over and how you controlled this city. This is the thing that you want to make sure that others know about. And yet this proverb says, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Uh, Peter the Great was a very influential czar in the history of Russia, uh, late 16, 1700s. Um, interesting journey into power, like most transitions, a lot of chaos and a lot of stuff in, in him coming into power at a pretty young age. But what he did when he got into power was kind of unique. He, he went and he traveled, and he traveled through Europe, and he spent a lot of time learning, and he saw... Uh, he saw politics in different places. He saw what medicine, he saw what education was doing and brought back a lot of those reforms and wanted to implement and, and, and kind of bring Russia forward in, into a new way. He did some weird stuff too, like he imposed a tax on beards uh, because he wanted people to look more European. Uh, so that, that didn't work well. He was pretty ha heavy-handed in some of his taxation things. He did a lot of military reforms, which meant more taxes, and, you know, there's, there's some pretty brutal things in his history. But the thing that he is known for, the thing that he is most known for today is not the cities that he took. It's a moment, one moment, where he did not display patience. There was a gardener that he got upset with, and he struck this gardener in the head. And a, a few days later, this gardener passed away. And he, he wrote this, he said, sadly, alas, I have conquered other nations, but I have not been able to conquer myself. This is his lasting legacy. Better a patient person than a warrior 
one with self-control than one who takes a city. Pretty fitting. We must value different things if we're going to have patience. So connect this to a, a Christian marriage. In a Christian marriage, we value things like mutual submission. We value things like loving your spouse so much that you would lay down your life for your spouse, just like Jesus laid down his life for the church. We have different values when we come together in a Christian marriage. Is your lack of patience the rumble strip helping you identify, hey, maybe my values are a little off? Maybe the reason why I'm getting upset and I'm impatient right now is because I'm not valuing the right things. Can we come back to that? Can we realign to that? Let's modernize this proverb a little bit. Let's fit it into the, to our, our language today. The Message Bible says this about this verse. Moderation is better than muscle. Self-control better than political power. Can we value moderation? Can we value self-control? These are kingdom values. These are things different than what the world would celebrate. Yes, patience requires cultivation. Patience requires different values, but also patience requires a proper purpose. We have to have a reason to be patient. There must be an ability, uh, something underneath the surface that gives us the ability to be calm when things aren't going well. So what is that? What's behind the patience? Uh, Dr. Sarah Schneidecker is from Baylor University, done a lot of research on patients. And, and she talks about how definitely those daily habits uh, go into a lot of that cultivating the daily habits of patience is, is really important. But the biggest indicator for patience is the purpose behind the waiting or the dealing with the hardship. Finding something bigger than yourself that will transcend any particular annoyance or struggle. Maybe you're a single parent. And when you look at those kids, you have a reason beyond yourself to get it together and to work on this. Uh, I would argue that proper uh, purpose is really proper theology, and, and even more so as a nerdy church word, proper eschatology. What, is, what, it was, what does it mean in the end, the study of end times? How is all this going to work out? Uh, Paul wrote a couple letters in First and 2 Thessalonians that, that really help us understand how what we believe will change how we respond right now. And it takes that proper theology of what's going to happen and what Jesus is doing in the world for us to respond appropriately right now. And so we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, and 18. And Paul had to write to everyone, hey, be patient. He tells them to be patient, which is great. I'm trying to write a message on patience, so great, I'll just use that verse. But let's really see why did he have to tell these people to be patient? What was going on that caused them to get off track? So here we go. And I urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. We're going to come back to those two words here in a second. To me, those, those two stick out. Um, encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. 
Be patient with everyone. Um, when we talk about weak here, we're really talking about the, the spiritual beliefs of, of weakness. So for them, it had to do with, do I eat food that's sacrificed to idols? Do I have to follow the Jewish customs? They, they were weak in their theology. And he's saying, hey, be kind to them. Be patient with them. So verse 15, make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but strive to do what is good for each other each other and for everyone else. This is, we are responding, we're doing something right, we're, we're, we have action because of our patience. And then look at, look at the end here. This is exactly like the daily cultivation aspect of patience, isn't it? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How do you cultivate that daily aspect of being patient Hey, rejoice, pray, give thanks. These are the good things that, 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 that are our baseline for how we can be patient. But let's come back to that idle and disruptive. To me, those are opposites, right? Like how can you be idle, not doing anything, and disruptive, which definitely means doing something. How do you, how do, you do both of those at the same time? In his second letter, he gives a little bit more uh, illustration on it. He says, we hear some of you are idle and disruptive. He says that again, idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Okay, that helps us paint the picture. Why are they busy bodies? Why are they idle? What's going on? A lot of the New Testament was written in the mindset that Jesus was coming back real quick. And so some of the people in this house church kind of said, hey, if Jesus is coming back, I don't need to do anything. Why should I show up to work if it doesn't really matter? Why should I be patient if Jesus is about to come back and it doesn't matter? He, he knows that I love him. I'm, I'm fine. And that wrong understanding, the wrong theology, the wrong eschatology of, of what God's doing caused them to have wrong beliefs and wrong actions. So for us, as we look at scriptures, we look at the totality of scriptures, what is God doing? What is God doing in our relationships, in our world we have to recognize that, that God, yes, is coming back. And when he does, he will establish his reign and his kingdom here on earth. In, on earth as it is in heaven. That our, our job is to work with him to make all things new. To restore creation. To show people who Jesus is. To reach out to those that don't know Jesus and to bring them into part of this family. Yeah, we are working and we're changing and, and that will continue to happen, especially whenever Jesus comes back. But we don't give up. We don't cash it in. The people in this church, they, they basically became mooches off of the wealthy people in this house church. Remember what's happening in this time. People are selling land and they're giving it to the church. They're gathering for this weekly feast, this weekly meal called communion. So there's all kinds of sharing going on and, and love and sacrifice and service. And some of these people said, cool, like I'm gonna go move into my parents' basement. But instead, it's like, I'm just gonna move off, mooch off the wealthy people in the church. And, and Paul's like, no, that's, that's not what we're supposed to to do. We're supposed to be active. We're supposed to work towards this. 
There's a reason why we respond. There's a reason why we put this into action. The improper understanding of their purpose did not give them a reason to endure their frustrations. It didn't give them a reason to endure the obstacles. Because they didn't believe the right things about what God was doing and how God was working, they could not handle the suffering. God's not done with us. Thankfully, God's not done with me. God's not done with my wife. We are growing, we're learning, we are still trying to work this out because it matters. So I want to keep getting better. I want to keep growing closer to my spouse. I want to keep growing closer to God. Finally, patience requires the Spirit. It's a result of God working in our lives that anything good happens. Am I right? I can only get so far willing patience to happen. I might be able to have some discipline and like just really keep my mouth shut if, if something happens that I don't like. I can force that for a while, but I, I can't do that for long. And eventually you're going to see the cracks in the armor. You're going to start to see the character beneath. And that's where the fruit of the Spirit comes in. In Galatians 5:22, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. This is what it looks like. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the work of God in our lives. There is no law against these things, Paul says. As we allow God to work more in our life, the evidence of fruit shows up in things like joy and peace and patience and self-control. All these things are so closely related. So, so think about this. If someone's rude to you and you respond with love and gentleness, isn't that going to look a lot like patience in that moment? Or maybe someone's giving you the runaround. You've been on hold for 40 minutes and you respond with peace and self-control. Doesn't that look a lot like patience? Any combinations of these markers in my life, man, I, I need it. I will take that. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray these words over you. As we finish up, I would, I'd like to ask you to bow your head if you're comfortable with that. Maybe hold your hands out and, and receive these words to receive the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in your life. If you're single, may others, by the grace of God, experience joy in you. May people see patience in you. May others experience goodness in you because the Spirit is at work within you. If you're married, may your spouse, by the grace of God, see love in you. May they see peace in you. May your spouse experience faithfulness because of you, because the Spirit is at work in your life.
if you follow Jesus at all, for everyone, may someone that doesn't yet know Jesus, by the grace of God, may they experience kindness in you. May someone who doesn't know Jesus, may they see gentleness in you. May others experience self-control because of you, because the Spirit is at work in your life. God, we ask that you work in our life. We ask for more of your fruit, of your Spirit be evident, that in doing so, we would be better and the people around us would be better and, and, and your name would be exalted. The people would know who you are because of our patience. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.